walk into a stadium, 8,000 people, they all want you to lose. But as long as you got your 26 guys ready to kick ass or kick butt, you're going to be all right. Sorry, I swear. What's going on, everyone? If I'm in your ears, that means you've tuned in to yet another episode of the Shock Factor podcast where me, Stephen Shock, am going to be joined by Jake Mintz and Jordan Schusterman to discuss college baseball topics from this week. Fellas, you're here. How are you guys doing? Steve, I'm doing really well, and I have an admission, which is that I watched zero college baseball this past weekend. And that is because I was on Saturday spending my whole day coaching the youth of America. On Friday night, I was coaching the youth of America. And on Sunday, I was boozing during the day. And so did not watch college baseball. But I am here with two very informed individuals who are going to explain to me not only what happened in college baseball this weekend, but the rules to the sport itself. Jordan Schusterman, what direction do I need to run? We are going to, yeah, we're just going to run through the whole rule book. We're just going to go page Let's by page. It. You got the PDF up here. And yeah, this is just going to, you know, kind of, you know, it's a really exciting time in college baseball, right? All these teams are, are really gunning for postseason spots. They're trying to, to get on the right side of the bubble. But really, we need to take a step back and understand what is going on here. What are the rules? And so we're going to read mm. through the rule book um, until, until we get through it. Sound, sound good, Steve? Yeah, rule number one, section one, paragraph A. Make sure to always consult your friends before placing bets. Um, don't do it alone. We'll get into that later. But <laughs> don't do it Let's alone. Let's get into it. Let's get into it right now. Steve, because Steve, I think the first rule, while we are about to make a bunch of jokes about gambling and sports, or in college sports, um, do it alone. Don't get your other friends involved <laughs> if you're going to do this and have your whole team uh, banned for NCAA violations. All right, let's just get let's get this out of the way. Uh, we have some some shenanigans going on in our sport, in our country, Jake. And this is news that happened before you went dark and didn't watch any college baseball, which is that Alabama is without their head coach right now because Brad Bohannon was um, relieved of his duties, as they like to say, due to clearly something involving a gambling scandal involving Alabama baseball. Steve, go ahead. And it, it's very important to note, if you listen to last week's episode, then you would know typically this would be allowed. But Coach Bohannon did not declare shenanigans so yep you have to declare <laughs> shenanigans great yeah. call steve good call back we will really love the continuity here on the shock factor. more like brad bruh hannon <laughs> as in bro what are you doing what are you doing okay we not all the information is out yet but clearly he was doing something that was enough to get him fired immediately here here is my immediately here's my read on this we are not yeah. going to review the very specifics of it because it doesn't really matter. My my sense of this is that as we, as our whole country of uh, sporting enthusiasts, um, careens dangerously close to the world of gambling, whether they like it or not, as it all becomes intertwined, for better or for worse, mostly for worse, I sense that any sort of Rem even remote hint or inkling that someone is involved that ha would have anything remotely close to compromising the integrity, whether it is blatant and horrible and the worst possible version of this or the most seemingly innocuous violation, the NCAA is going to say, we ain't messing around with this. <laughs> I think that is what happened here. And uh, Brad Bohannon appears to be the first 
person to really get the, the smackdown laid down on him. And I mean, it, honestly, I, if this is the message we're going to send to keep gambling away from the sport, uh, it's not going to work, but I guess it's going to have to happen. I will say this. My favorite thing about the whole story is that man posted a huge bet against Alabama for LSU after Alabama starter was scratched. With all due respect to the scratch starter at Alabama, Paul Skeens against Alabama, I didn't need that extra information to bet the house on the Louisiana State University Tigers. Like, I'm going all in anyway, and yet he bungled this enough to now that it is an enormous scandal. That's like that was not information he needed. The opposite would be true. If it was like, oh, Paul Skeens is scratched, and I'm going to bet on the Crimson Tide, that would make some sense to me. Right. But again, I don't like this is so not my area of expertise. And also like seemingly a big part about this is the amount of money that was bet on college baseball, which is clearly not an arena where massive right. amounts of money is being gambled, particularly in the regular season. I know once we get to Omaha, I'm sure there's a little bit more well, mainstream. Uh, Steve, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Like, do you think that as a player, there is any temptation to do shenanigans here? To whether you are betting on yourself or against yourself or on other teams that you maybe saw and have a good feel for, right? Like, do you think that there is a large temptation within the sport? Well, the thing about gambling for a lot of people is that it's like instant. That's always been the thing about it is like it's that instant gratification. It's that instant win, which like, you know baseball games they're getting faster you don't get that instant win that instant gratification but like it's kind of one of those things where if you look at it and if you think oh well i know a lot about a lot of information about this sport i don't have a lot of money i would i would like some more i can see how people would get into gambling but in in this instance like the thrill of the ride like sure it it's great Go go for it if you want to gamble. Gamble, it's your money. Don't let don't let some dipshit in Delaware tell you what to do with it. But if I'm making two hundred and seventy five thousand dollars a year, I would probably never gamble. I or keep, come close to it. I would probably just keep the money and buy all the cool shit that two hundred seventy five thousand dollars a year, which again that's like. The average American salary and like handed to you over six years in in one day, in one year, one year you get that. Not one day. Not one day. One year. You got to work all year to get that. But <laughs> do you understand how much money that is? You could buy like, you could go to any state and buy a normal, normal house and just be like, okay, yep, I own this now. Your or mortgage... You or you could buy one New York City bedroom. Yes, but just the bedroom, not the walls that come with it. Um. Correct. No, but I, I, I understand your point, Steve. But, like, for players, I see a temptation more than I do for coaches, If believe it or not. Like, we, we have made, not we, but, like, people have made gambling so accessible, so easy to do for people who should not be doing it. It is inevitable that we are going to end up with idiots or overconfident parties getting themselves in trouble. This is a logical conclusion to a trend that has been happening 
over the last half decade. This is not the last one we will have. And I'm sure more information will come out on this. But it is just a good reminder that, like, as much fun as it is or may be for some of you to just pull up the insert betting app of your choice here and gamble on whatever immediately, there is an implication, a negative implication for the sport as a whole. And, like, that's not great and kind of bums me out. Because, like, MLB players, they're not going to gamble on games. They're making too much money. But, like, if I'm a relief pitcher, you know, at East Bumfuck State, and I have a chance to make a couple bucks, like, fuck. You kidding me? If I don't like my coach and I'm checked out? So, like, I don't know. I I think that this is, like, the folks at Alabama definitely aired in, in some extent, but the system set it up in a way where, like, this was bound to happen. Do you want to talk about games now? Yeah, yeah be, let's do I that. would like that. That's a lot more fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't – whatever. I, I don't – we will have a lot more information about this, and we, you can read more legitimate reporting than our conversation. But <laughs> we do – it is certainly a, the biggest story in college baseball, so it is that's, worth Yeah, that's what I want to say. It's like I was hanging out with some people earlier today, and they were like, yo, Jake, what's happening with this college baseball thing? And, like, no one was coming up to me and being like, hey, what do you think about Jackson Gray in the leadoff spot for Kentucky? You know what I mean? Like, they, well, they this is been. the story. They, they should have been. been. I know. That, that's I my takeaway. Uh, let's – so the main theme of this weekend, Jake, I mean, again, we're really catching you up to speed here. The main thing Thanks. you need to know is that uh, the good teams, they lost. They kind of got embarrassed this huh. weekend. Steve, where would you like to start in terms of the best teams in the country – uh, the top four of five of which, or wait, no, all five, uh, or, or I guess the four of the top five lost their weekend series this weekend, including South Carolina getting swept at Kentucky, LSU losing the series at Auburn, Florida losing the series at Texas A&M, and Vanderbilt losing the series at the aforementioned Alabama. Wake Forest looking a little dicey, but they sneak by with a series win against Boston College. So, Steve, of those top teams that lost, which of the series did you watch the most? Which of the series caught your attention? Let's let's just start off with Vanderbilt and Alabama because Alabama they did something which was quite impressive and that was win while all this tomfoolery and the shenanigans is going on. Mm-hmm. First of all, so that's already tough. You got a coach who he's got his hand in the wrong cookie jar and he got caught, and so you're dealing with that as a team. And it's like, man, what other shady shit was going on? You're wondering what was going on. You're, you're just you're at a standstill you're at a crossroads and then it's like oh yeah also by the way you're gonna play Vanderbilt this weekend so uh get ready for that and they just showed out and it was really cool to see a team that you know they can deal with kind of kick to the nuts and keep going because at the end of the day you know you see it all the time when people talk about transfer portals where it's like oh you aren't committing to the coach you know when a coach leaves it's not you shouldn't leave the school what you're really playing for as a college player is you're playing for the other guys who are going through the gutter with you essentially. And so to see them pull off this series victory at home against Vanderbilt was something that I feel wasn't just important for the players, but was really important for the fans too, because, you know, it was a hard fought game and, you know, the last, the last game of the series, that two to one victory where, uh, Mac Gissetti, Mm am I, am I saying that right? Yep. Nailed it. Where, where he really stepped up, he hit the go-ahead home run, gave them the 2-1 to one lead that they held on to. It, 
it was just really good to see for Alabama. I think it's one of those series that really bodes well for them moving forward because it's like, okay, well, if we can handle that, what else, what else can we take? What else can we handle? Yeah, we saw Alabama get swept last weekend at LSU, but played really hard, right? I think we, we watched that, and we were impressed with Alabama there. Now they have all this off-the-field stuff going on, and now you have Vanderbilt coming in where who could very realistically just kind of sink their season. I know they're – I think they've been, like, on the right side of the bubble, but it was like this was their last big chance to get a huge series win because their last few series are against Texas A&M and Ole Miss – so, yeah, massive, massive. Matt Cassetti's another – I mean, they have a lot of interesting transfers, right? Matt Cassetti, guy who came over from Florida. I, I, you know, we, we talk so much about the transfers from maybe smaller conferences moving up to the, to the big boys in the SEC. But that's an, an inter, inter-conference transfer, which I think is cool. You know, we have the Gavin Cassis one with Vanderbilt to South Carolina. But I think those ones are also interesting because, you know, it says a lot about playing time and – and whatnot and getting to still succeed in the sec is is pretty cool guys like ed johnson who came from i believe he was at tennessee tech i think um and he's been really good for them so yeah there there that's a huge series win i mean i feel like that's like the kind of series that kind of just puts you in a great shape if you can just kind of hold your own over the last few weeks like they should be in really good shape at large so the experience of doing something like that when you're coach like that could be so rattling man because so much of college baseball, right, Shock is like buying into everything your coach says. And the best teams are just all in and believing it and are grinding with it. And like to be able to go out there and do it a cappella without him, pretty impressive. Steve, you mentioned Charlie Condon there. Uh, he is yeah. on Georgia. I did not mention them before, but yes, Georgia taking a series against Tennessee. Tennessee, who had really been heating up, were like, oh, baby, here come the Vols. They're back. Let's go. But I still was like, and they had been saying this over the last couple of weeks on some of the other uh, podcasts on, on the D1 Baseball Podcast Network, is can we really trust Tennessee until they do something on the road? Well, this would seem to be a reasonable assignment to go into Athens with respect to the Bulldogs. And instead, Georgia taking care of business. Charlie Condon is ridiculously good. I know Tennessee won the Friday game, but Georgia taking Saturday and Sunday 3-1 to one and 9-4. to four. So, Steve, uh, Charlie Condon, what else from this one do you want to highlight? I was just going to talk about his two big ding-dongs in Game 3. Um, those were really cool home runs. He kind of, like, broke part of the fence with one of them, which – well, it was really cool to see, but it, it was just good seeing this resilience out of the Georgia team, seeing what they can do when a tough opponent comes to their house. And, you know, you had mentioned Tennessee not playing well on the road. I think they only have two road wins this season, which, you know, to me that – or at least two SEC road wins, mm-hmm. which is crazy to me. Like, I know defending your house is important in college baseball, but also sometimes you'd like to – You'd like to knock someone else's house down mm-hmm. every once in a while. And, and you want to be polite while you do it, have manners, say please, thank you, no elbows on the table, that sort of thing. But you want to do it at some point. So I'm interested to see if, not not when, but if Tennessee's going to do it this year. Because I really uh, think they can. And I believe in them. So, like, the thing with Tennessee, right, is if the way I feel about them is if they host a regional – they will win it, right? But if they have to play it somewhere else, I think they're totally cooked because they have not proven their ability to win on the road. Now, the players are the same. Yeah, great, whatever. 
But there is something about that environment at Lindsey Nelson that makes victory for them feel inevitable where they're down 5-0 in the second. And it's like, oh, well, they'll just pile enough runs that it won't be an issue by the time the seventh inning rolls around. On the road, there is not that same vibe at all. I just like it's just hard because like, okay, next week they get Kentucky at home. Kentucky coming off a sweep of South Carolina. They kick Kentucky's ass. Like, am I just going to pretend like, oh, there we go. Tennessee's figured out. Like, no, I truly do need to see them do it on the road. Their last SEC series is at South Carolina. South Carolina suddenly scuffling. I know they're super injured. That's something we probably did not mention enough last week when we talked about the Auburn series. A um, lot of injuries on the position player side. But still, I, I just – I'm with you. Like, I, if they're at home, great. And But what's interesting is, like, that hosting thing is going to be right on the edge. Like, it, it could come down to the very end to see if they get to play at home or not. So that will definitely be, be super interesting. Um, LSU losing a series at Auburn. We, of course, gave some love to Auburn last week. Now they win a back-to-back series against South Carolina and LSU, this one being at home. Um, this was kind of – I mean, first of all, Skeens, holy shit. I mean, not that Skeens hasn't already been amazing all year, but uh, I believe he struck out 15 on Friday, mm-hmm. which is like totally chill. Uh, that's pretty good, right, Steve? Yeah, it, my favorite thing about it was it just kind of seemed like any given Tuesday. Like, it was just another day at the yard for him. Like, it watching him pitch is interesting because it's like the hitter in the box – is a myth like they aren't real they aren't really there like he's essentially just throwing bullpens with his stuff being so gross that people can't touch it and like sure they put the ball in play sometimes he gives up a run or two but every weekend i feel like friday nights it's like uh, what happened in college baseball paul skeens won that's (laughs) what happened um but he's just like an inevitable force in college baseball right now and he he he's going to be at the next level so fast it's going to be ridiculous but hey even though LSU has this you know auto win on friday um credit to auburn who kind of kicked ass i mean it was it was a close game they came back uh they won on on saturday and then today they just kind of kind of bombed them um yeah like we Chris, had a crazy little one was, down was in auburn bad what did you say on that we had a crazy one down in Auburn. See how that just kind of feels weird? <laughs> it does. Sorry it does. to interrupt you there. but <laughs> No, you're right. But LSU, I mean, the thing that stands out today about LSU's game, LSU had six hits. What are we doing? Our defense kind of reverted back to 2022 LSU. But, yeah, I mean, credit to to the Auburn pitching staff. Christian Herberholtz, who I've never heard of. That's the first time I've seen that name. And this dude only allowed two runs against LSU in five innings. So uh, credit to the the, uh, the Auburn pitching staff for, for getting that series win. And now they're, you know, right right back in the mix for a postseason spot, especially so, when their last two series are Ole Miss and Missouri. Where are we at right now for the SEC standings? Like, who's getting in? Who's getting out? I think now would be like a decent time to, to kind of – take a bird's eye view with that right so here here are the locks i'm not even going to talk about hosting because that's complicated for me okay vandy florida south carolina arkansas lsu are like the locky locky kentucky i think is a lock at this point kentucky lock is six yeah tennessee is probably in a seven and then we're looking at like auburn as eight and then the last spots are like Alabama, Georgia, probably not. 
So it's like those that's like no way Mississippi State, no way Ole Miss, right? Those teams. Probably not so, Missouri. Yeah. So I was just watching a squeeze play or not squeeze play, rally caps, the SEC mm-hmm. baseball and softball recaps. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they were they were doing kind of like a standing projections and they were talking about the number of SEC wins you essentially need to make it into the postseason. Mm-hmm. And I think it was around fourteen yeah. wins was about sixty eight percent of teams with fourteen wins get in. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that information is helpful here for anyone, but if you're an SEC fan listening and you're like, Well, my team's got twelve wins because I like Tennessee Mm-hmm. Then just know they they just need like two more, yeah. And they'll they'll have a pretty good shot. I feel like this year it'll be interesting because I imagine multiple teams will finish with fourteen wins, and so it that might make it a little harder to get multiple fourteen team wins. But I, that's where to me it's fifteen is the number where you're you're really really safe. Uh, and so Alabama A and M and Auburn all with eleven right now. Like we got two seasons or two series left, and then we have the tournament. So I I'm I'm with you. To me, like. Besides Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Missouri, the rest of the teams have a chance. But uh, I, you know, I'll leave that projecting to the people who do this much more, much more uh, focused and detailed than we ever could. But I agree with you; it is it is an interesting time, and it's just so funny because when you listen to those conversations and you see projecting out like, oh, well, there's an easy win. Oh, well, there's this should be gettable. Like, and then boom, like South Carolina swept to Kentucky. Like, you you are never projecting a sweep ever. That's never happening. And base unless it was like there's some some situations where maybe you would say you would expect it. But when you hear our good friends at the Nerdcast talking, like looking forward, they are never saying, okay, well they're going to get a sweep here or they're going to get swept here. But that those things happen, and so that's that kind of goes to show how impossible all this stuff is to look at moving forward. Uh, Steve, any of the other teams that disappointed this weekend? But I, I, I want to talk about Stanford because they did they did the opposite. I feel like we've hit what? on the SEC enough. Yeah, let, let's go to Stanford. All right, let's, let's go to Stanford. That. So uh, the Pac-12, pac and 12, as Jake likes to call them, coming into this weekend, biggest possible series, Stanford going into Phoenix to face Arizona State, the top two teams in the Pac-12 standings. And Stanford, who we really have not talked very much about this season, because I feel like they haven't had that many signature series wins. I mean, again, Pac-12 is just weird. There hasn't been that many opportunities for it. Uh, and their only sweep war was, I guess they swept Oregon State, they swept Utah, they swept Cal, but you know they beat UCLA last week. But this is the big statement win, and I love to see it. And there's one guy in particular I want to talk about, but Steve and Jake, you know, we, we've been watching a little more Pac-12 this year than, than last year when we showed up in Omaha, and we were like, who are these guys? So, Jake, who, who stands out to you on, on Stanford? Well, it's interesting because uh, this, this new guy, Alberto Rios, was, like, not involved as much last yes. year. Yes, at all. And he wasn't just, involved at all. And he's just elevated himself into, like, first two rounds of the draft territory yeah that's a, b- a bit of a push I'll, I'll get to rios in a second but but obviously there are other parts of this team that we do know that are still balling out uh steve who are your some of your favorite players i mean listen they're still your you're still your header photo right steve i mean these are your, these are your guys they're they're still in it these are still my people mm-hmm. we got carter graham and drew bowser who they aren't really having the seasons they expected to have they're they're kind of bottom of the lineup guys or bottom of the ranking guys in terms of average mm-hmm. and their averages are 273 and 281 mm-hmm. which I don't know about you guys but in a power 5 I would absolutely take that mm-hmm. 
Um, but then you got guys like Tommy Troy who are hitting 389 with 10 bombs. It's like Tommy Troy is a guy who is only on my radar because he played for the Katuit Kettleers, and I have very special connections there. You guys know this. You know this about me. I bring him up all the time. That's how I knew of Tommy Troy. I didn't know a single thing about him from his season last year. And I'm in touch with college baseball. I have no idea how I didn't know anything about him. But he's going to be undeniably one of the best players in college baseball after the season. Like, it, That's one of the things that makes Stanford so good. And one of the things Dave Esker does such a good job of is he finds kids and that are just absolute studs that no one knows about yet. And puts them on the map. And I think that's something that's really, really uh, a good litmus test for good college coaches, how many guys they can really produce. And, you know, I know that gets a little wonky nowadays with the transfer portal and all that's a little different, but there's still a value in it. And it's still fun when you see it happening. And so I, that's just as long as David Esker's at the helm there, I think they're going to they're gonna be set for a long time. Yep. No, I agree. And I'm, I'm so impressed with, I mean, we've mentioned this with some other teams, like the diversity of the roster, but obviously in terms of recruiting, they can get anybody, right? And so assuming you can do some amount of Stanford homework, right? But realistically, yeah. you, look at their, you look at their pitching staff, you know, Quinn Matthews, who's been there, he's been awesome. But then you have this freshman, Matt Scott from Connecticut, and then a junior, Joey Dixon from Utah, Right, like that's a nice, and then Ryan Bruno, their their ace reliever from Florida. Of course, the the lineup is, is a little bit more California heavy, but you know, Braden Montgomery from Mississippi is, has been obviously really impressive. Tommy Troy's awesome. I mean, he's going to be a first round pick this year. He's been fantastic. Of course, they have freshmen like Malcolm Moore, Drew Bowser. Right, it's like he's been he's been famous for a long time. Probably a disappointing season, but still crazy power. He's got nine home runs. Alberto Reyes is an amazing story. Aaron Fit had a whole feature on him last week which I super recommend uh, you guys checking out. But he he's like, so he was what, seven at-bats his first two seasons. And when he was having a huge year to start the year, and I was looking at his, his stats, and I was like, at this point, my, my instinct when I see a guy with big stats that I've never heard of is like, oh, he's probably 22, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, clearly he's like a 23-year-old. He's been in a JUCO. Oh, he's a JUCO guy. Yeah, like, oh, I just missed him. And now, oh, here he is. He's just old. He's beating up on his kids. Alberto Rios is 21 years old, right? He's a regular junior. He's just been there. I honestly would love to know if he was even there in Omaha, um, if he even traveled with them last year, because he, he just didn't play. And his main position when he came to Stanford was a catcher, catcher third base. They bring in, you know, the, basically the top catcher, one of the top catching prospects, you know, freshman in the country, Malcolm Moore. So he gets bumped out to left field, but he's just raking to start the year. And now he's been even better in the last couple of weeks than he was to start the season. He's got the best OPS on the team, and that's even over Tommy Troy. You know, got 12 home runs, 14 doubles, hitting 385. Top two rounds, probably not, but, like, he was on zero. You could not find him on a single draft list even a month ago, even when he was raking. Now he probably is going to go in the top three or four rounds, which is an incredible story. And as you said, Steve, like, that's why you just got to trust that whoever the hell is going to play for Stanford is going to be really freaking good. So sweeping Arizona State is, is super impressive, and I'm excited. I, I'm excited to get excited about Stanford again because they were my pick to win. When we got to Omaha last year, they ended up disappointing, falling up a little bit short, but they have the team to do it again. The pitching's a little thin, but I, I really like this team, and I'm, I'm excited to, to watch even more of them as we move forward. Yeah, on the official uh, D1 baseball projections, I picked Stanford to win it all. So hmm. seeing them do well would you know, be really good for me. I, I would really prefer that. 
You say it would be really good for me as if it's like somehow beneficial financially. <laughs> like that would, would be great. It would be well, good. Well, the the money involved, the money involved, because you see, D one baseball, we don't put money in. But no, we don't. But I got this bet with this dude. Oh, yes, yeah? real, real shady bet. Down, <laughs> yeah, down south. That if this hits, <laughs> yeah. If this hits the Shock Factor podcast, Steve, stop we're, talking. We're stop going talking. To Miami. Stop talking. Stop talking. Stop talking. Stop talking. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm at Stanford. We're going to Steve. where? Miami? Steve. Somewhere. I don't know. It Back to expensive. Disney World. Back to Disney World for Steve. Yes. Oh, let's talk about that. Steve, how was yes, Disney sure. World, yeah, man? Disney oh, break. man, it was awesome. It's just the best. You go and you get happy, you know? <laughs> I don't like crowds of people. Don't like waiting in line one bit. But if you know how to work the park, <laughs> you can find ways around that. There's Genie Plus. There's so many different avenues Disney wants you to take these days. Mm-hmm. And sure, they're a little bit more expensive, but you know, sometimes you got to pay a premium for premium. You know, that's just <laughs> the simple, simple fact of the matter. But it was a great time. I love Disney movie. I I just love movies. I'm a big movie guy, so it's always cool like seeing all the stuff from the movies and all the rides. I, I just love it. Guy does two games on the ACC network, and he's Bob fucking Iger hawking Disney products on the podcast. Jeez. That's, that's definitely not why Steve went to Disney World. It's no, Steve's I just child. went there just because I like I like the animals at Animal Kingdom. Um, wanted to pet them. That's good. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very happy for you. I'm glad you had a good time. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, if the bet hits, that's where we're going. Okay, got it. Okay, got Thank it. You, appreciate uh, we'll get to the ACC in a second. The only thing you need to know about the Big Ten is Maryland won again. Yeah, 21 Another straight. Another series. Big Ten series wins. Right. Nick LaRusso, uh, their third baseman, who does not get basically any attention whatsoever, I believe he had a grand slam today against Nebraska. He's like has a real chance at 100 RBIs, which has not happened in quite some time. Um, wow. He has been just absolutely amazing. Sure, you know, their ballpark is uh, hitter-friendly, to say the least. And, uh, of course, uh, Panda Express friendly as well, but uh, the point is, is that Nick Larusso deserves a lot more love, and because of that, the Maryland Terrapins are just going to keep on winning. They, I hope they never lose a Big Ten series ever again. So credit to them. Uh, let's get to the ACC. Bizarre weekend in the ACC. I had no idea what was going on. Then Steve explained it to me. I was so excited to come on this podcast and be like, "Oh, well, I haven't seen Steve tweet about Virginia very much. What's UVA been up to? Oh, they just didn't play because they were doing their homework." Is that true? Steve? Yeah, exam weekend. Exam weekend. You know, you got to focus because I don't know about you, Jake, but me personally, exam weekend was the one week or exam week was the one week where I really had to lock it in. I had to you got to learn a whole semester's worth of information in about 4 to 5 days depending <laughs> on procrastination. And sometimes even one day, one whole day, you can pull it off. You can get a degree. I got I got the same degree as the smartest kid in my class. Same same piece of paper. Nothing's different. Um, but, yeah, so they had exam week. So, ACC, they, they start their season early. So, teams can have this week to focus on academics because, you know, school is real, real important. And um, typically the ACC teams will just fill this by playing out-of-conference opponents to get their confidence up, which – did that happen this weekend? Yeah, it looks like that might have happened a little bit this weekend, but that's okay. So, again, it's just one of those weird weekends in college baseball where the ACC, no one really really plays against each other that much, and it's like, okay. Um, 
I'm going to go play against this team from Presbyterian South Carolina, it's if that's so place. <laughs> it, it's just like such an odd and strange week for yeah, the Yeah, like we had, we had Florida State playing Mercer. We had, was it Miami Presbyterian? Um, just super Virginia Tech playing Bowling Green. I, I kind of cool for those other schools to like randomly go play an ACC team in the middle at the beginning of May. But as far as like keeping up with the league, this was very, very weird. So what's funny about this is when you're like a freshman, junior or, you know, sophomore, you're like, oh, my God. OK, exam week time. I remember my senior year, like we were checked out like we were like exam week. What? And our we had a game scheduled like the Wednesday of exam week on the road. OK. And a bunch of the underclassmen, understandably, went to the coach and said, we can't make it like we're, you know, biomechanical engineer majors and we have to like study neuroscience shit or whatever right and our coach was like all right and he went to the 10 seniors and he said i will get on a bus with the 10 of you and we will play these games if you want to play them and we were like that is awesome yes and so we went and we played these games with the 10 seniors and like four other people my senior year it was great that is honestly awesome. I feel like that was an ele- – is that the games you got your at-bat? Yeah, that is the game I got my at-bat in, That's yes. a good game to do it during. Um, yeah. But to me, like, exam week, it's not it's not that big of a deal. You know, just do your other homework. Just like, You shouldn't need exam week. You shouldn't like, need it. You know, like, if, if you're the type of baseball team that's like, oh, we need to string a couple wins together in the SEC tournament to get into the postseason, like – you're it, you already fucked up. Like it's too late yeah. already. If you so, need exam week, like you should have been studying. Yeah, my thing is like this is exactly how I did college, freshman to twelfth year. Um, <laughs> if you're looking to get two degrees, this is this is the recipe. Step one: eighty-four to eighty-six with sync. That's how you're going to get there. You you okay. take that to a college coach. You say, hey, look, I know it's not that fast, but I can throw strikes. Is that something you're interested in? Odds are you go to enough. At least one of them is going to say yes. Then you go to class. First day of class, syllabus week. On the syllabus, there's the grade breakdown where it's like 80% homework, 10% participation, 10% final exam. You're going to want to look at the final exam percentage points of your grade. If that number is less than 30, you don't have to take a final. You don't have to you don't have to do anything during finals week. All you have to do is do a really good job doing your homework, being on time to class, showing face. There were multiple classes where I I would get the information, especially when COVID happened and like everything was online. I would just get the information, do all the work the first week and do nothing the rest of the year. Because Genius. I had this method and the math. Yeah. Right. Of just take care of your mm-hmm. homework. Mm-hmm. And the exams don't matter nearly as much. You can go in and go, okay, well, I need I need a 50% so I can get my 10% towards my final grade, and then I'm good. And if I just guess, I'll probably get that, you know? Right. I hope there are parents with their student-athletes in the car listening to this. And, yeah. and if you're listening and you're, you're a sophomore uh, at, you know, Tulane or, you know, uh, Utah Valley – and you're looking over at your dad or your mom, and you're saying, "See, look what look what Uncle Steve said that I can, do. <laughs> I can." Yeah, well, do. 
Also, remember to look at where Uncle Steve has ended up. Uh, <laughs> not using either of my <laughs> Is degrees, that a good so. thing or a bad thing? Who's to say? Who is to say? Steve, important question for you. Yeah. We kind of talked about a bunch of teams. Did any of them in particular tickle your giblets? We kind of skipped over that. Was there one other one that you, that you wanted? Did, I, did we already talk about them? I just wanted to make sure mm-hmm. we included that. This actually is not a team. This is the rare individual. Okay. The giblets were personalized. Perfect. Who we got? Um, we got Matt McCormick from Xavier. Mm-hmm. Who Xavier mm-hmm. played Creighton this weekend. Matt McCormick hit a 482-foot home run out of the chuck box, which in itself we all know. That's amazing. That's incredible. That's hard to do. That's a great distance. We've all been there. We know that's far. But I want to go a little bit deeper on who Matt McCormick is because you're looking at him and it's like, oh, this is his first year at Xavier, but he's a senior. How is that possible? So this is all a story sent to me by Kevin McCormick, Matt's older brother. Hmm, And he told me that Matt McCormick started off in 2020 as a freshman All-American for West Virginia University. In 2021, he he had a decent year for West Virginia. I think he hit around 280. He had about 23 extra base hits, something like that, seven bombs. Good year, good year. He goes, you know what? I'm going to transfer. I'm going to try baseball somewhere else. Transfers in 2022, I believe, to a small program by the name of Tennessee, where he spends two weeks there. And decides he's not really into baseball. It's not really for him. That's fine. That's fine. When baseball's not fun, you can hang him up. It's totally fine. And so he hangs him up and starts working at Ace Hardware. He's working at Ace Hardware, selling paint, selling ladders, doing all sorts of different Ace Hardware-like things. Being being the, the helpful neighborhood folk. That's what he's doing. And <laughs> Helpful then, hardware folk yeah ace is the place okay go ahead yeah yeah help for he's being a help he is the helpful hardware he's at the place for the the helpful hardware folks to be the helpful hardware folk yeah that that's matt got it um i'm not sure how he got in contact with xavier or how he got there but in 2023 he ends up he or sorry missed a vital part of the story which is after while working at Ace Hardware, he's trying to figure out what to do with his life. He applies to a few different police departments. He was about two weeks away from joining the Chicago Police Academy. And instead he decided I, I would have loved to see him do like one of those high school big five star football recruits where they got like six hats in front of them and then do the thing where they put their hand over different hats. It's like, ooh, which one am I gonna pick? But his hats are just like one that says cops and one that says Xavier. And he picked Xavier, and now he leads the team in average and home runs. He's up there in doubles, but one of his teammates just has a crazy amount of doubles. I can't remember who it was. I got you. I got you. On Xavier? Yeah. Yeah. Some kid has like 14 doubles. Andrew Walker has 14 doubles. Andrew Walker, yeah. So if it weren't for him, he would be leading the team or at least tied for the team leading doubles. But – just an incredible story, and of course, he hit a very far home run this weekend that tickled my giblets. I love this. A couple things about him. He was, first of all, I didn't realize they had awards for the 2020 season. <laughs> and I mean, I'm glad he got uh, an award for his 16 games at West Virginia, but it's pretty funny. Um, 13. But hey, he proved it. He was, the, he was the Illinois Gatorade High School Player of the Year, so this dude was freaking legit. 
amazing that he was at Tennessee randomly. Um, my that home run, not that it was absolutely blasted, but Steve, do you recognize where it came close to landing? Where did it come? That's right where uh, you interviewed Sonny D. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's if you go about a hundred a hundred feet shorter, it landed somewhere where. I also have a core memory, unfortunately. <laughs> that's not what I was going for, but thank you for always bringing it back. I thought me. that's where we were going. No, no, no. I, I wasn't at all. I, I, I apologize. No, I was literally thinking about last year when you interviewed Sonny D, like right along that back wall, more in foul territory. Um, yeah, you're, you're a more positive thinking person. I than probably, yeah. Forgive uh, forgive that's me. what I've learned from that. I need to, I need to be more like Jordan. Yeah. Uh, but that's great. Go, go Matt McCormick. Go. Um, very, very cool. Very cool story. And, and also no batting gloves. We love that. So to hit a ball 482 Correct. with no batting gloves is, is really something. Blisters that's, for the kids. I mean, you're working at Ace Hardware. That's got to be rougher than the <laughs> fake, the fake leather on a baseball bat. Right. Um, now let me say this will be a transition to our final topic as always. Blaine Traxel. <laughs> oh wait, we have two Bro. more topics because there's one other Blaine Traxel we have to talk about. Blaine Traxel lost this weekend, but he also won the hearts <laughs> of millions of Americans. Steve, let's talk about Blaine Traxel's weekend, and then I have one more topic, and then we'll we will say goodbye. So Blaine Traxel, he's the Friday night starter for West Virginia University. I haven't. I, I believe he started game two this. Yeah, weekend. Saturday. Oh, Saturday. he started game two. Okay, yeah, I, I, I think he's done. The, he's he starts every game for them in our hearts. Yeah, I mean, really, he always he really relevant. does. He's, but he, he makes an appearance in every game, as we saw. Yeah, I don't think he had a good outing. No, he lost three. Still to went six. seven. What? Yeah, still which, went seven. Which, a bad day for Blaine Traxel is like a great day for literally everybody else. Correct. Um, but he had an okay day. Next day, they're playing Oklahoma again. It's the rubber match. Big home run gets hit. Blaine Traxel, he's being a dipshit in the dugout wholeheartedly that's that's what being a pitcher is for that's what you're supposed to do especially as a starting pitcher who's already thrown for this weekend because it's like you know even if I make an ass of myself the other team can't use it as like bulletin board material to tee off on me like I already pitched I'm already out of there so he after the home run he has a catcher's mask on it's how kind of it looks like he's wearing it like a bib and he's got a traffic cone on his head and he's just dancing around. He walks maybe for 15 paces in front of the dugout. And I'm not talking out from the dugout. He's about one pace out from the dugout, turned west, walked 15 paces parallel with the dugout. And he gets tossed immediately. Um, I get it. There's no props. He broke the rules, whatever. Ha ha. But at the same time, you're a starting pitcher. You're probably tired. You've had a long day. Your team's done things to fire you up. You get fired up. That's what happens. And unfortunately, he got sent back to the bus. But at the end of the day, I still love him for it. And honestly, this this puts me more on his side, if anything. Is there a suspension that goes uh, with this, though? There might be a four-game suspension, potentially. I don't – yeah, um, like I don't know if ejections under any circumstance – equals suspension versus like other ways to get ejected yeah um, i know it used to be but you used to have to do a lot more stuff to get ejected right. in college baseball like you used to 
really have to be given the umpire the business or I, I won six years without getting ejected, which would not be the case in today's game. <laughs> this is pretty stunning. That's kind of a shocking stat. And like summer ball too. I think it's just because like I just tried to have fun. I would always joke with umpires. Yeah, I uh, feel like you could you could be you could be vibing with umps. I like I like working a room. It's mm-hmm. I like doing it. It's um, important. Uh, okay, so we love Wayne Traxel. He will obviously get mentioned uh, basically all the time, no matter what. But I just love the idea of okay, maybe four games for running out of the dugout with a cone on your head. <laughs> Amazing! What a sport we've created. Yeah, it's like ejections used to be like, oh, scouts will see it and be like, oh, he might have character issues. Now it's like, oh, he ran onto the field with a cone on his head. Um, okay. Like, cool. I like the idea that the scouting director calls. <laughs> the scouting director calls, like, the cross-checker. He's like, hey, uh, I saw Traxel got uh, ejected this weekend. We got issues there? Uh, no, sir. He ran on the field with a cone on his head for about eight seconds. Uh, okay, I guess, guess we'll have to take him in the – Second overall instead of first. Yeah, it's like the walk back to the bus was infinitely longer than him walking onto the field with the cone. And he had a cone on his head. How's he know he's on the field? You know? Oh, interesting take. Interesting take. I like that. Wasn't covering his eyes, but still. Uh, Steve, we have one final topic. Let's get into it. Calvin Harris at four home runs. In one game? Calvin Harris at four home runs in one game. I met you and in the made, summer. And made the song of the summer while doing it. Uh, first obvious question. So all season, basically since he got to campus, he was like sort of famous high school in Iowa. And like every time, like I got to be ready for when Calvin Harris like pops off. Like we got to have our jokes ready. He doesn't walk up to it somehow. But obvious first question. I mean, what, what, what do you guys got? Favorite Calvin Harris song? Then we'll talk about four home runs in one game. <laughs> I, I like the summer song. I really do. It's very yeah. catchy. I think Tim- the simp noises are yeah. nice. I mean, he's he's like, I mean, honestly, this is the thing. Like, talk about hits. Calvin Harris has been churning him out. Like, he's he's got he's got Rihanna on there. You know, he's got Pharrell. He's got Justin Timberlake. Like, he's really kind of guy. He's got Florence in the Machine. Like, we really really got quite the range for Calvin Harris, which I really appreciate. This is what you came for. Yeah, this is what you came for. This is Ole Miss. This is it because they, you're not going to want to remember much else about this season. Let me tell you, but you will have the Calvin Harris four home run game at Missouri, which maybe some of your fans were at. <laughs> but but I do love um, that he did this four homers, ten RBIs. Another guy who's I think super duper underrated as far as the draft standpoint. Definitely a top five round guy. And four home runs is just an amazing thing. Like three homers, especially in in D one juice baseball land. Like we've seen it a bunch. Four home runs is a marvelous achievement, and uh, it's I, I there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Go ahead. Jake. So I'm yeah. trying to watch some highlights of him. Mm-hmm. I just searched his name on YouTube. And I, I can't find a whole whole lot of that. That's match. not what you came for. It's not you. you <laughs> I, I'm there here for a, for for this left-handed hitter from Iowa slugging so, dingers for the Rebels. Not this this sick beat. I, I searched Calvin Harris summer because I wanted to find some videos of him in the Cape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found I guess a highlight tape of him that is 1.5 billion views. I guess he must be a <laughs> well-regarded draft guy. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to have to slide on over um, to the Ole Miss baseball if they have a YouTube. No, 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 but but, but Steve, you know who you know who Calvin Harris played for in the summer? Who did he play for? He, he played, played for Katuit. 
mean, I am honestly, I'm just surprised it wasn't the big trade. <laughs> I'm being honest. <laughs> I know it's always one or the other, but but uh, also, Calvin Harris, I, wow. I just want to go back because I don't want to be on record saying my favorite Calvin Harris song is Summer when I just learned. I don't know how I didn't know that, that he was on the track We Found Love by Rihanna. Yeah, We Found um, Love is like just, that's I mean, that, that's tough to songs. beat. But I mean, again, like we got, we got you know, Dua Lipa in there. We got, I mean, who who is he not? You know, the only person I'm not seeing feet next to is T Pain, which is weird. <laughs> you would think, like, the I'm feet sure it God. happened. Maybe, maybe that one. Kind yeah, of it's 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 some indie up. underground stuff for only the real fans, probably. Right. Exactly. Um, but I'm I'm happy for Calvin Harris. I'm glad I'm glad Ole Miss fans will have something to remember from this season because otherwise, it's going to be a yikes for me. Uh, gentlemen, let's end this podcast. It is late here on Sunday night, and we have other things to do, other podcasts to plan. But thank you all for listening to another episode of the Shock Factor Podcast. Steve, say goodbye. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hopefully next weekend will be a little bit more normal. We'll have a little bit more typical weekend of college baseball where things make a little bit more sense. But then then it wouldn't really be college baseball, so that probably won't happen. Looking forward to it.